What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They run in a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Those of you that used to watch the X-Files may remember the famous phrase that would uh, frequently pop up on that show and then kind of entered the pop culture. The truth is out there. Well, those of us that believe that the government might not be telling the whole truth to the public about this UFO issue... There's a lot of comfort in that phrase because it implies that there is the truth out there somewhere. And if we just keep working hard enough, maybe we'll find out what that truth is. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the whole world literally got a look, maybe a preview at what the truth might be. Because in what might very well have been the most watched congressional hearing that didn't involve a major scandal, meaning an impeachment or something like Watergate in history, we saw in a bipartisan fashion, Republicans and Democrats ask three very credible veterans, one of whom was incredibly high ranking, about what they had seen and heard with respect to the UAP issue and the ripple effect of that hearing is being felt far and wide. For instance, Republican Congressman Tim Burkett spoke with David Grush, one of the whistleblowers who testified about the the government's own attempt to lie about this. This is Republican Congressman Tim Burkett. Has there been an active U.S. government disinformation campaign to deny the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena? And if so, why? I can't go beyond what I've already espoused publicly about that. Okay, I've been told to ask you what that what that is and how to get it in the record. What, which, which, uh, what have you stated publicly in your interviews for the congressional record? Uh, yeah. If you uh, reference my News Nation interview and I talk about a multi-decade, you know, campaign to um, disenfranchise public interest, Sorry, basically. Yeah. Now, think about that. Here you have a very high ranking intelligence officer, not someone that served in the 60s or the 70s, but someone that was serving until a year and a half ago. A guy that is a GS-15, which is the equivalent in the intelligence community of basically a full colonel testifying under oath when questioned by a Republican member of Congress. The fact that he's Republican doesn't matter, but questioned by a member of Congress under oath and saying that there is a multi-decade attempt by the government to lie to you about this. Think about that. Someone who has been working very hard on this issue for many years and uh, someone uh, who has proven prophetic in many different aspects of this uh, UAP disclosure movement has been Stephen Bassett. He's the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and a leading advocate for ending what he calls the 65-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding UAPs. Uh, Mr. Bassett, it's great to have you back on the program. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Frank. And that, that need to update that, uh, that particular paragraph. It's now a 70, um, uh, six year, uh, truth embargo. D- uh, duly noted. Thank you very much. My m- math was never my, uh, strong suit. 
If people are unfamiliar with you and they haven't heard our previous conversations, give us the the Reader's Digest version. What is the Paradigm Research Group? How did you get involved in this issue? I got involved. I, I entered the field in 96 as a volunteer for John Mack's group up in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Spent about four months there. It's really a lot of fun. But then I had to decide what to do on my own. And I made the decision that the pol- politics was the solution to the problem. It wasn't science. Uh, the ET presence had been proven many times over, going back to 1947, frankly. Um, but the government had instituted what m- most people referred to for many decades as a cover-up, UFO cover-up. I, I worked hard to change that term to truth embargo uh, because it's not illegal. It's not illegal policy. And that's what he was referring to when he said that multi-decade program to deny that is the truth embargo. Uh, and I'm a political activist, and my job is to end that truth embargo and also possibly uh, talk about and deal with issues in the post, what I call the post-disclosure world. The truth embargo is crashing literally right now. It's falling apart. Uh, as I've said to some of the local media, the biggest story in history is is right underneath your feet and up the street. Uh, I have now logged in on my print media archive on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, 1,160 articles for this year. 90% of them have to do with the congressional action, drush, the uh, grush rather, the uh, the hearing. Uh, it's the most articles ever that I've collected. I'm sure the number of articles printed this year, which is in many thousands, I've triaged 1,100 out of those, is probably the most ever in a single year in the history of the phenomena. And the year is only, you know, got a third of the way to go. So we're seeing the end of the truth embargo, and I, I have a pretty good idea how it's going to end, and it's going to end with the president confirming this, quote, non-human biologics, which is just a, another way of saying extraterrestrial. Well, I want to ask you about that uh, prediction in in a moment. But first, give me your take on the on the UFO hearings. Uh, I know, um, you know, I played a lot of audio from it. And here's a little bit more, if people didn't catch it, of Congressman Burkett uh, talking with David Grush about what he knew regarding these UAPs. Did you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured? in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of or have heard of, I guess? I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. What was your overall take on these hearings, Stephen? They were solid. Uh, the process underway is messy. I knew it was going to be messy. I've said that many times. Uh, it is a question of how messy. Uh, and I need to emphasize to your audience that what is going on here is not about the government trying to figure out what this phenomenon is because they just learned about it and they're setting up all this stuff and passing legislation. That's not what it's about at all, including the hearings. Uh, the government's known about the ET presence from the beginning, going back to the 40s. Every president has been given some information about it. It's always known it was real. It's a question of how much they were told or how much they wanted to know. Uh, so what is going on here is really ending the embargo, ending the truth embargo. And it's, it's, it's trying to do it in a way that will be minimally disruptive and, and also maximize the public relations for the government because their government's going to face a tough period after the confirmation from the president, a lot of difficult questions of which all end up having the same answer, national security. But still, uh, in order to mitigate that, they're uh, uh, doing what I call a, a, a public relations-driven extrication process, process in which they do all the things they should have done. But they're doing them now, going through it all, leading to the president in a non-political way, non-partisan way, confirming the extraterrestrial presence. And thus, when the tough questions begin in the post-disclosure era during multiple hearings and other media events, People will be more understanding. I know the millennials will be very understanding. They could care less about the truth embargo. They just want to know what's going on now. And so that's what it's about. It's about setting up the president to disclose. And after disclosure, all the structure like Arrow and the legislation, everything will be and the, 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 the NASA program project. All of that will be put to good purpose. It, it won't be wasted, I assure you. It will be very active in the post-disclosure era. But all of that stuff now is not about doing anything, finding out anything. It's about simply setting up the scaffolding for the inauguration of the post-disclosure world. If in your view, Stephen, and this is a question that I get from so-called skeptics a great deal, and I'm going to pose it to you. If in your view, the 
proof of extraterrestrial visitation is just that, is indisputable. Why would the government have an interest in keeping that truth from us for so many years? Why wouldn't they have told us 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago uh, that this was the truth? I mean, I guess before the Cold War, maybe it was a different ballgame when it came to uh, military policies and secrets and that whole thing. But why wouldn't they have told us about this at any point in the last 30 years? I've been spending much of the last two and a half years in Hollywood, L.A., Hollywood film, trying to raise the money to, to do a truth embargo to answer that, do a, do a documentary to answer that question. It would be called Truth Embargo. I still want to do it. It's a couple million dollar project. And the answer is complicated and would fill several docs, but it's basically national security and you have to look at the timeline. The, the ET modern engagement, which is extensive, starts right after the bombs are dropped on Japan. That seemed to trigger something. There's a lot of vehicles, a lot of sightings. Something crashes. Actually, several things crash. The government gets the bodies. They get the vehicles and say they know that. Okay, we're not alone. All those science fiction things we used to watch uh, before the movies, like Flash Gordon and stuff, turns out there's non-humans uh, out there and they're here. What do we do? And at the time, they it's post-World War II. The Korean War is starting to gather some steam. They know that the, the, the Soviets have got German scientists. They're working on the atom bomb. They had their spies. And so they already sense they were heading towards some kind of nuclear situation. It, and it could be a war. It could be something else. But it's very, very difficult and dangerous. And now they've got this. And I think their decision was, look, we're just, we're just not going to acknowledge this until we know more. And 47, I doubt they knew much, though they may have had a vehicle earlier than that. The point is, how many species? What do they got? What's the tech? Let's look at the tech. All of this, this is classified until we know more. And then we will eventually tell the people. What they didn't know and couldn't have known is that we weren't going to have a nuclear third world war right away. What we were going to have is a Cold War nuclear proliferation arms race, which staggers the imagination, costing untold trillions of dollars resulting in a peak of 86,000 nuclear weapons by the mid-1980s. And so as that arms race grows and the threat of nuclear annihilation grows, and we talk about nuclear winter and all that, there was just no way any voices inside the military intelligence complex were going to win the debate. Let's go ahead and tell the people now. Because they just felt that that massive paradigm shift in worldview that would be triggered by that and the public relations problems they would face because every year they deny it, it increases their, their dilemma, that it was simply too risky, unforeseen consequences, the unknown unknowns. And so the thing just kept going. And then it passed from one generation to another. It came institutionalized. And when the, really the best opportunity to go there was after the Cold War ended and the, and the Soviet Union went capitalist, uh, that was their best chance. And it didn't work. And thus we've gone another 30 years uh, but now it is ending. I mean, it's 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 so the, the truth embargo is cracking. It's breaking. It, it's being attacked from all sides. The modern era of, of 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 democratic journalism is just killing it. People are coming forward. The patience is over. So it's about to collapse like a dam that finally gives up. And boom, the lake just dumps out into the riverbed. That is what's happening right now. I think the truth embargo should be over before the campaign season begins. In wow. Uh, wow. Uh, uh, that's uh, pretty explosive. That would be that what would be wild. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Going back to the UFO hearings just for a second, or UAP hearings, whatever, whatever preferred Either term. works now. Yeah. Either works now. Um, one of the things that, you know, it's so funny, the 
there are two groups of very annoying people when you talk about this subject. There's the people that refuse to acknowledge that the possibility of extraterrestrial visitation and the only people that are worse than them are the pro UFO people that are are so critical of of everything. One of the things that I saw uh, in terms of criticizing the UFO hearing was a, harsh criticism in the UFO Twitter world of the three witnesses that were produced because according to them uh they didn't say anything new David Grush uh yeah. Mr Graves Ryan Graves and Mr David Traver uh th- uh they didn't say anything that we hadn't heard before what do you mm-hmm. say to that complaint from the UFO community about sure. what transpired at this hearing well let's put it in proportion i'm very active on social media big twitter account please follow me at at steve bassett please 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 uh no, there's a limited, just a limited number of skeptics that have done this. It is a small, very small portion of the, what I call the Twitter, the UFO Twitterverse. Uh, in fact, uh, the vast majority are all very supportive. So they're not a problem. They're doing their thing. They can have all their doubts. doesn't matter. Uh, th- this whole situation is being very, very well followed. And, uh, and there's so many people now that can engage it via thousands of podcasts and everything else. Now, it's going fine. It is messy because it wasn't supposed to happen quite this way. The, the hearings are supposed to start in the Senate. The House decided it didn't want to be left out. Grush came forward. They knew that could happen. They didn't know when. He went public for a reason because he was being attacked, being threatened. And the timing was such that the House could move in and cut in front of the line. And, and set a quick hearing together, which they did in like 10 days, seven days before the recess. There was no way anybody could follow them. And so essentially they, they cut a piece of history out for themselves, but it did go well. Could have gone badly, but it didn't. And now the public and the rest of the Congress has uh, 35, 40 days to reflect on that, which is good because the next hearings will be in the Senate and they're going to be hugely followed. One of the things that's different about the old days when they could measure viewers of these hearings by just ratings and TV. Now it's totally different. How many people are actually going to see this hearing is not clear. And it's very difficult to track because it's in multiple platforms. It can be viewed, it's archived, it's streamed. I believe ultimately it will be in the tens and tens and tens of millions. I believe the Senate hearings are going to be watched by hundreds of millions with a potential of a billion plus. Uh, Watching not three, but five, six, eight, ten witnesses, also military, also under oath, impeccable testimony, powerful stuff. And it is that testimony and that powerful viewership that sets the stage for the president to come forward and say, I'm convinced I'm going to get you information about this. We're not alone. Bingo. By the way, if uh, people have questions for Stephen Bass, we will we will try and take as many as we can. Serious questions only, please. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, could we be on the precipice of seeing the current president or a future president say that, yes, what the government knows about UAPs, they haven't been completely forthcoming with. And here's the truth. Here it is. We'll explore it with Stephen Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group in a moment. Questions 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Sharp, 
singing about David Duchovny, who, of course, was the star of The X-Files and uh, who actually celebrated a birthday this week. So happy birthday to David Duchovny. We're talking with uh, Stephen Bassett, who's been described in the press as the closest thing that the UFO movement has to a lobbyist. He has been involved in this issue for literally decades, executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and a leading advocate for ending the truth embargo regarding UAP. Uh, Stephen, let me ask you about some comments recently made on News Nation by a guy that uh, I have an enormous amount of admiration for and who I've gotten to know a little bit, and that's William Shatner. Uh, William Shatner was on with Elizabeth Vargas. He was talking about the UFO hearings, and I think he probably was speaking for a lot of people in our audience. So listen to what he said, and then I'd love for you to respond. But first, I just want to ask you, because we just had these historic hearings last week on Capitol Hill. What did you make of those hearings and the fact that UAPs, as they're now called, are being discussed, you know, by witnesses under oath in Congress? It's just in my mind, it's ridiculous. You mean some highly intelligent being goes 10,000 light years with advanced technology, arrives here and hides doesn't make any sense. There has to be multiple places that, that are filled with life, life like that, that's like on our planet, burgeoning and, and, and demanding attention and demanding to be alive. But if they're going to make that uh, journey all the way here, it just beggars the imagination that they would hide. Uh, Stephen Bassett, uh, I hear similar kind of objections from people in our audience from time to time. What do you make of what Shatner said there? Well, look, Bill's a legend and uh, still working like crazy at 90. Got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, He hasn't got the time, I think, to really follow this closely. The people that are devoting virtually their entire life to following this, we have a huge body of knowledge collectively amongst us. I got a library in my office here of 500 books. That's nothing. There's thousands. So it's okay. Uh, Bill will come, Bill will get it soon enough. Um, the, uh, the reality is that we, we have an extraterrestrial presence. The government's known about it since the forties and they're about to finally confirm it. And by the way, I'm not the closest thing to a lobbyist. I am a lobbyist, been registered as a lobbyist for the last 26 years. This is part of what I do, but now, and I, for most of that 26 years, I was the only one. But in the last, I think, year and a half, I think there's five or six more lobbyists, including a fairly substantial firm that has registered the lobbyists on this issue. It only took 20, 24 years for people to finally say, hey, that, that's a great gig. Yeah. <laughs> and they t- signed up. There'll be more soon, I assure you. I, I, I have no doubt that that's true. All right. A lot of people eager to chat with you, but I want to follow okay. up on what um, what you sort of began the hour with by saying that you felt that the there was a good chance that the president, by the end of the campaign, well, by the time the campaign rolls around, would actually come out and say unequivocally, yes, there are UFOs and they are extraterrestrial in nature. We've known about it for a long time. Why do you mm. think after this many decades of secrecy and stonewalling, why do you think now is the moment where the president would come forward and disclose this? Think of it this way. You've got a, a dam that was manufactured 76 years ago. It's holding back a huge lake of water. It was manufactured somewhat carelessly and wasn't perfectly done, but whatever. It's, it's serviced the deal, but it's been cracking. And the under underneath the dam has been washing out for all of this time. And finally, it can't hold any longer. And it, it gives. And so why did it take 76 years as opposed to 56? The truth embargo had a certain amount of integrity and structure to it, but it was it was definitely flawed. And the the rise of democratization of journalism and technology and the Internet and everything else has made it harder and harder. And the the sentiments of the people inside the, the military intelligence complex have shifted increasingly towards, look, let's tell the truth. A bunch of them, I call the Magnificent Ten, came out in October of 2017. Big articles in The New York Times. Off we go to the races. And so we're six years onto that. I didn't, it would have taken less time, but we've had some interesting things develop in the world in that period. Uh, major pandemic, war, whatever. But it's done. The dam's collapsing. The water's about to head upstream. People need to get to high ground, start thinking about what they're going to do in the post-disclosure world. And, and my time frame for this is Senate intel hearings in September. About a week's worth would be enough, maybe 15 witnesses. 
And I know some of those witnesses, and I can assure you they're even as powerful or more powerful than Grush. And the president will be in a position to confirm what I believe he's known for some time, but just couldn't get into. Confirm, yeah, I, 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 I see what they're saying. I, I agree. This confirms it to me, and I'm going to start getting you guys, uh, American people, more information soon. This needs to happen next month. We need to get confirmation next month, the disclosure event, as I call it, capital D, before this $6 billion presidential campaign gets underway in October, November. So that is out of the way and can be dealt with in, in an open way in front of the American people as they elect another 435 uh, uh, Congress people and uh, 33 senators. I'm glad you mentioned the forthcoming presidential campaign because there's a very interesting dynamic in this yes. year's campaign, uh, the kind of dynamic that we really haven't seen since 1892, where you have the likelihood that one of the two major party nominees is going to be a former president. If all these previous presidents are aware of the truth and are aware of uh, the UFOs and the government's involvement with UFOs, why would Donald Trump not simply come out now and say what he knows to be true regarding UFOs? I would think it would mean a great deal of press for him. And we know he's very motivated by press, both positive and, uh, and negative. And he could kind of su to take away some of the attention that's being paid to issues that he may not want to focus as much on right now. Uh, things maybe like the indictments and so forth. Why wouldn't Trump just come out and say what he knows about the UAP, UAP issue? Frank, that's a question you have to ask of Donald Trump. I can't speak for his thinking. Uh, uh, his hands are pretty full. He's got a full plate, but technically he could say something. Uh, and that would add some heft to the process. But disclosure, capital D, can only come from the president. What, what I define as disclosure can only come from the president for obvious reasons. It can't come from a lieutenant colonel or a general. It can't come from a, you know, a member of the Senate. I mean, they can say things like there are a number of people that have come forward, high, high ranking people and said there's an extraterrestrial presence. Mitchell, Gort, uh, 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 Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, did it in uh, 2009. Uh, recently, Gary Nolan, Nobel Prize nominee, did it just a few months ago on Fox News. Uh, Robert Bigelow, a, a NASA contractor, billionaire, did it on 60 Minutes. That's not disclosure, but it adds more pressure on the truth embargo. So if Donald Trump wanted to, he could put more pressure on the truth embargo. He might, he might not, don't know. But the uh, only but guy that, will come from Biden. Got yes. it. The, the only guy that can make this actual uh, end the truth embargo is the sitting president makes makes in the sense way that it has to be ended formally and as head of state, because when the head of state does it, that opens all kinds of doors. Right. It, 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 it drops down walls, opens doors and policy and legislation can follow. That's the way you run democracies. And without that formal confirmation, it'll just spin and spin and spin. But as I say, the spinning is over. Uh, it's 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 end game uh checkmate to uh unless something dramatic happens like a nuclear war breaks out in, in uh uh in ukraine uh, put all my predictions on hold please understood uh, understood and let's hope it doesn't come to that why is it that with sparkling water i'm always playing guessing games with what flavor i'm drinking is it citrus is it aluminum can flavored mm, not sure sparkling ice though they really mean flavor like in your face flavor orange mango black raspberry don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds dms last night and let them know who's boss no subtleties there and no sugar either but it does have vitamins and antioxidants find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you sparkling ice anything but subtle at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. One yeah, of the things so. that I that I also get asked a great deal about is 
What about foreign governments? Uh, We've certainly heard high-ranking government officials from places like Israel, the United Kingdom, and Canada make uh, claims about uh, what their government has been involved with from time to time. But there are, you know, hundreds of governments out there, and presumably many of these governments may have firsthand intelligence about the UAP issue. Why would, say, the Russian government or the Chinese government or the South South Korean government not simply come forward and end the truth embargo as far as that country goes? Very interesting question. I've answered it many times. It's a complex answer, but it's, I simplify it this way. Uh, every major government in the world knows about the ET presence and has known about it for a very long time, some of them all the way back to the 1940s. They've chosen not to, to, to take action, including the United States. Uh, in mo- all of the post-World War II allies, and democracies and supporters of the United States basically deferred to us on this. In other words, look, we're not going to go there. It's your call. You're the one with the nuke weapons. You're the ones saving us from the Soviet Union's nuclear weapons. And you, you won Cold War. I mean, you won the World War II. You defeated the Axis powers. We like you. You got it. In terms of the, the authoritarian states, China, Soviet Union, so forth, they could have done it. But if you think about how authoritarian countries run, it's about completely con- control of the worldview of the people, control of the people. And they would view that kind of a paradigm shift, this massive change in view, is very threatening to their domination of the people and control. And so they had no motivation to drop that into the situation. In other words, uh, they don't want the Russians, the Soviets didn't want to go to their people and say, hey, there's ETs here and they don't know uh, Groucho Marx from uh, 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 <laughs> from Karl Marx. Of Karl Marx, yeah. I'm, uh, it's late. But yeah, I, I, I ruined that line. It's one of my best lines. It, it, that's the best explanation I have. But you, you could ask Putin, say, Vladimir, why didn't you disclose ET presidents? You know it's true. He's chosen to go to war with Ukraine. Hey, what can you say? 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Kenny in Brooklyn. Kenny, you're on with Stephen Bassett. Yeah, hey, Frank. How you doing, Mr. Bassett? Just fine. Hey. Hey, um, um, look, the, the question to me that um, the common sense question that the public should be asking and the news media, especially all news media, should be asking is, first of all, uh, Senator Tim Burchett, he said mm-hmm. they had three more witnesses that were supposed to show up, and he said two of them were supposed directly involved with the reverse engineering of these UFO programs. They That's were right. blocked by the Pentagon and Department of Defense. He said yes. that publicly. They were blocked for some reason. Right. And he also says, uh, they're also saying, Grush, they won't allow him to use a secure facility to, so he can tell the locations and the names of where these uh, UFO reverse programs are being located. So my question to you is, and I post this to the public, the skeptical public and to the news media, they should be asking this, if these people are lying and they're, or they're crazy, why are the, is the Pentagon and the, and the Department of Defense going through so much trouble to block them and to block all the, te- yeah. the witnesses that are testifying if they're crazy or they're lying? It sure. shows that they're hiding something. You know that, that saying, I think you protest too much? Well, that's yeah. what they're doing by, by they're trying to um, discredit Grush. Thank they're you, trying Kenny. to block witnesses. Yeah. It shows that, obviously, you're hiding something. Yeah. That's what the media and the public should be asking. Right. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, a- I, any, uh, any reaction oh, to that? Oh, yeah, I can help there. Uh, it's not, yeah, the, remember I told you it's a messy process and the the House committees kind of cut in line, got ahead of the skis, which created real problems for the White House and for, for uh, 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 Kirkpatrick over at Arrow. But, you know, they handled as best they could. Uh, g- getting those firsthand witnesses that are working in the USAP out this soon, way, way ahead of the skis. I mean, that's where you fall flat in your face and, and slide down the mountain, the mountain head first. So they blocked that. They weren't able to get a skiff, I believe, because they just didn't have enough time. Uh, and there was, they threw this together quickly. And so they were denied. I believe they got access to a skiff after the fact. So it's not really a blockage there so much. Uh, and so there, you're going to see an effort to try to get, keep things under control and not let it get crazy. Because that's always the risk on this. This is a very complicated thing they're doing. They're trying to end a 77-year, basically, policy of lying to the American people about the most important issue in the world. And they're trying to do it and save face and whatever. I get it. So you're going to see a little of this. I'm asking people, don't overreact. Fundamentally, everything is moving forward at a pretty nice clip. Those firsthand witnesses, 
the ones that blocked for this hearing, you can bet your bottom dollar when the Senate holds its hearing in front of the Intel Committee, they will show up. And that's the example of how big that's going to be uh, and why it could end the truth embargo. Is there anything to be read into the fact that these hearings and this issue has become totally bipartisan? It might be the only issue in Washington right now that is totally bipartisan. But sure enough, you hear uh, Republicans like uh, Marco Rubio dealing with this issue with the same sort of enthusiasm that Democrats like Kirsten Gillibrand are dealing with. Nothing's bipartisan. Why is this issue bipartisan? It is. You're right. It's a side benefit of ending the truth embargo, one of many. Uh, It is bipartisan because it's bipartisan. It transcends politics, economics and religion uh, by its very the essence of it. Okay, And I think it's clear that people see it that way. And so it is the first issue of any substance that is going to allow our incredibly dysfunctional Congress that needs massive reform. We need massive political reform in this country to come together and really start maybe moving back towards more normalcy in, in, in our government and restoring some trust in the American people. Uh, and I think some of them are seizing on that. During the hearing, about five times, one of the members of the committee went out of their way to say, this is a nonpartisan issue. This is a nonpartisan issue because guess what? Behind the facade that people put on in this clown suit, sometimes they put on and all the nonsense they do in serving the, the need to get millions of dollars to win the next election and keep their quote voter group together. They're actually regular people. They sit down at family dinners and act like civil people and even some of the family maybe of the different party. But they have to put on this act. Now, that isn't necessary if we can get some reforms going. Uh, This is an opportunity for them to take the mask off and act like decent people. And everybody wins from that. And they see this as an opportunity to help dig themselves out of this hyper-partisan hole they've dug, which is basically costing a fortune because the deeper that hole gets, the more money you have to raise and the more outrageous you have to get to stay in office. So that's my take on that. 800-848-9222. If you have a question for Stephen Bass, it's Keith in Cincinnati. What's your question? Hi, how you doing, guys? Great. Uh, I've had a theory about disclosure, and I want to tie some pieces together here. I've had a theory that we won't have disclosure until we're able to build a craft that can travel around in our solar system. You're in the ballpark. Huh? Yeah, you're in the ballpark with that thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, a couple months ago, as a matter of fact, I was on the air with Frank there and Dr. Stephen Cates, that uh, supposedly NASA is going to build a craft that will travel to um, uh, Neptune and study Oumuamua. And they accidentally slipped and said this craft will have a gravity well, gravity weld engine mm-hmm. propulsion system. Do you remember that, Frank? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. So what I think, see, that would move our civilization in uh, Michio Kaku's type zero to type one, Type three theory to a type one civilization. So okay, I, I can respond to that. Okay, thank you, Keith. Appreciate that. Yeah. First, the Muamua is gone. It's moving at one hundred twenty thousand miles an hour, and it's gone. We're not going to catch up with it. That's cool. Uh, but in terms of what he said, he was close. This is how I interpret what's going down. The re- the ETs have d- gone out of their way to ad- help advance this process. In other words, they've helped push it along in their own way, uh, making it very difficult for the government to go back. And so they played a part in, in the process getting to disclosure, capital D, confirmation. Once we get the confirmation, then a one to two year learning curve will take place around the globe where the entire world gets up to speed on all this and reads all of Richard Dolan's books and all my colleagues' books and listens to all the podcasts, including yours, Frank, and gets up to it. And then things get normalized and then we can have open contact, which is where this has been heading all along since they dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which, by the way, we just had the anniversary for. And why? Because this. He's right. We are closing in on the solution to interstellar travel. I'm, I'm following some of the physics. I have a degree in physics. I assure you, I can't read the equations, but we are very close. I think we can have it in 20 years. And when we have interstellar travel, given our penchant for dropping bombs, even on ourselves, we become a threat for the first time in our history to other planets. And therefore, this intervention is all about that. And when open contact takes place, the first thing on the agenda is going to be 
what you're going to do about the nukes. Well, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, given what uh, we're seeing in Eastern Europe and elsewhere, I think that's a, a great question that uh, I think a lot mm-hmm. of humans are hoping gets addressed wherever, whatever political party they have to happen to be in, whatever country they happen to be in. All right. We're going to continue with Stephen Bassett in a moment. If you have questions, give us a call. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite by then. the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. On such a timeless flight. The great William Shatner singing, well, speaking Rocket Man. Uh, that is uh, an incredible album uh, all about space-themed songs called... Uh, I believe it's called Return of Major Tom, and it's uh, really his take on all sorts of various space-themed songs. You know, it's funny, we played that clip of William Shatner earlier, sort of dismissive of these UFO hearings. Well, in an interview that he did with Larry King in 2014, he sounded a bit more open-minded. Uh, this is from uh, 2014, William Shatner speaking to another legend, Larry King. Larry asks him the question, do you believe in UFOs? Do you think there are UFOs? Why are you hesitating, Bill? <laughs> what I didn't see Johnny Mac ask in the readings that I've done, and maybe i got more to do, is what are they doing? Why, why, why have they abducted the secretary over at Universal and, and examined her and taken an egg and fertilized it and got a hybrid? What, what, why haven't why, they abducted why, why, why? a president? That's the question. Why aren't they, why, why don't they just display, you know, which That's, is the question you ask about God. Why doesn't, Jehovah is here, you know. Where? Well, <laughs> so why don't they display? And what is the intent if they're not displaying, they're hiding, and they get this guy in a swamp in Florida. Why do they What's go it? to Casper Springs, Wyoming, right, right. and they don't go to New York City? Because Casper has got a capital C. You don't know. That's crazy. Why do they do that if there's an intention? If they've had the intelligence that there's little green men, little gray men, with big <laughs> well, not here, why do, so are they a product of us? There's a mystery here. Yeah. When... When a mind like Johnny Mac can say, this happened, there's too much community in these people who've said they've been abducted, there's too much emotional uh, baggage, something is happening, what is it? That's the question. So do UFOs exist? It depends on what you mean exist. Now, the interesting thing about that clip is what you didn't hear. Uh, right before that, Shatner says that he's looked into the work of John Mack, who was a very accomplished uh, Harvard acad- uh, you know, uh, academic who examined and spoke to all the people, uh, not all the people, but many people who claimed to have been abducted, and uh, he found them to be credible, and Shatner lent some credence to Mac's work on that front, and Shatner basically said he uh, held open the possibilities that maybe these were someone from, entities from another dimension. I thought it was interesting going back and looking at that, because uh, Stephen Bassett, you mentioned how a lot of your work was inspired by John Mack. Stephen, I still have you. 
All right, we're going to try and reconnect with Stephen Bassett. No, no, no. I, oh, I, 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 I was on mute. Uh, forgive me. I, I always do that. Look, uh, that's how I started. I, I spent four months as a volunteer for John Mack's organization in, in Cambridge. His book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens, really was the thing that tripped my switch. Uh, I visited where he was killed uh, in London, put a rose in the bush where he stepped off in front of a truck accidentally. Uh, so I appreciate that reference. Also, that album that he just made just confirms what he said. The guy is always working. He doesn't have a lot of time to get into the minutiae. Let me say this. I'm going to put out an invite right now. My treat, any restaurant in the country, uh, Bill, I would love to sit down for a entire evening. I'll fill you in on everything that's going on that you don't have time because you're doing albums and, and, and comic cons and, and movies and talks and everything else at 90 years old. Uh, and Hey, it's on me and I'll try to bring you up to speed. So I I'd love to see you more aware of and participating in what will be the most profound event in human history, the confirmation to the world of an extraterrestrial presence. A lot of people eager to chat with you. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Joe is in Brooklyn. Hello, Joe. Um, I was about to hang up because Captain Kirk stole my thunder uh, with that question. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you, you're you not answering his question, though. Like, why don't they just expose themselves? Let them just show up on top of the White House with a couple 360s, you know, and like, hey, guys, we're here. What's stopping them? Well, they have disclosed themselves in it, to the degree they want to in many ways. The contactees, they do reclaim a lot of their memories. And they and they talk about what happened to them. They paint them. They draw pictures of them. They go back every year and put crop circles in the same fields at the UK, uh, knowing that every year more and more people show up with cameras and ultralights and everything else. These beautiful designs. Some of them are human, but a lot, most of them are ET. Uh, they they take animal tissue and blood from cows and then leave the cow rather than drop it in the Pacific Ocean. They they but they're seen all the time. Is. Well, let's put it this way. They are allowing a controlled awareness of them because what they're doing is they're helping to push along the process where we finally have enough information and we're in a position to confirm it to ourselves in, in ahead of open contact. I view it as a compassionate thing. I think it, it's showing deference to how big this is and, and trying to minimize disruption. Do they, do they, do they, do they put a, a huge craft over the White House, like Independence Day? No, they don't do that. But but isn't that, that what happened bad. in July of 1952? Weren't there um, mm. several UFOs or flying saucers, whatever you want to call it, that did come over the White House uh, and Washington mm-hmm. National Airport and all over D.C., a, a heavily populated area in a, in a story sure. that was well publicized uh, in the Washington Post and elsewhere? Okay, follow the timeline. We dropped the two bombs on our own, our own people, men, women, and children, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Suddenly, sightings start occurring in 46, lots of them. Then a crash vehicle gets picked up, and they know that we have the vehicle and the bodies, which means, hey, we know they're here. What did we do? We didn't take action right away. Four or five years go by, we've still not taken action. What do they do? They come in and fly all over Washington, D.C., right? Big deal, big deal. What did we do? We could have taken action. We could have disclosed. Instead, we, we called together what we call what we remember as the Robertson panel. And they said, no, we can't tell the people, but we have to we have to hold this away from the people because it's best that they don't know anything. And so the, 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 the thing went on. OK, so they watched the developments go from 52 to 62. And what happens? We have uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. We nearly have a nuclear war. OK, and guess what? Not too many years after that, they start turning off the nuclear weapons. Not only at our ICM facilities, but in the Soviet Union. So it's not like they're not paying attention. But what what I see from years of looking at this is a powerful connection between what they're doing and what we're doing with respect to nukes. In other words, in terms of the fundamental political aspects of this, it is all about the nukes. In the ancient days, whatever the hell they were doing, I don't know. But whenever they showed up, they were always gods. They're not gods anymore. And we're a spacefaring civilization now. So this is not like ancient aliens, which I love. This is the end of the what we'll call God era. It is the beginning of what I would call the post-disclosure engagement era, where we're going to actually be talking and dealing with these entities and possibly become a member of the Galactic Federation. I'm down with that. Happy to take an ambassador role. Just give me a call. My number is uh, on the web. 
800-848-9222. Eddie's in Babylon. Eddie, what's your question for Stephen Bassett? Uh, and to your iconic program, my friend, it's just, <laughs> this is why I developed insomnia to listen to your program. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Thank you. We will, we will, uh, yeah, great fact. Um, uh, we, we stand on the moon. We look at this, bu- this blue jewel in our, in our solar system, and we don't think what's going on there. You don't see nuclear war or, you know, the threats. So, um, on Earth, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, with, uh, ETs or our friends out in space, which you will be an ambassador for, I'll help you. Yeah. Uh, do we have the good, the bad, and the ugly out in space, like William Shatner, uh, experienced with the Enterprise? Mm. So are, there hostile, are there hostile aliens, meaning, Eddie? Yes, Look, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Now, it's a big galaxy. The hostile aliens have been represented in a lot of ways. One of the classic ones is the, uh, the Borg in, uh, in, in uh, Star Trek. Uh, all I can say is this. The galaxy is 80 billion miles across. It's, you could spend a million years uh, trying to explore it. You couldn't even come close to it all. There's a lot of civilizations come and gone. The idea that there could be a very destructive civilization that would evolve and actually be able to go out and do things like we do in the Star Trek, Star Wars movies where they blow up entire planets, you know, the Death Star, all that kind of stuff. It's not out of the question. The one thing, though, that might stabilize and prevent that particular entity, that black swan event from turning up and causing trouble is alliances. You see that in our world. You have alliances of countries that come together and with their collective power are able to hold a rogue power at bay. And so we have four or five species dealing with us right now, at least. I'm hoping that the collective power of this group of species is such that if a bad actor turns up, they have the ability to deal with it because we sure as hell don't. That's the best explanation I can give for that. I hope that we're going to open contact with ETs in about two years, and that'll be one of the questions we'll be asked. Any bad actors out there, and can you protect us? Uh, final question, Stephen Bassett. You alluded to the forthcoming Senate hearings on this. Mm-hmm. When is that going to be? And are there any other forthcoming events that we should have on our radar screen in terms of what's next in this whole thing? Well, I think the House wants to have another hearing, but it's the Senate's turn. Uh, the Senate Intel Committee has said it's going to have a hearing. And I just think it'll be in September. Er- the earlier, the better. And that's the big one. They have already interviewed plenty of witnesses, and the witnesses they have, if they testify with hundreds of millions of people watching, let me tell you, that's it. That's ball game. And then and that's enough. That's enough to set the president up. Now, once the president has confirmed, and we're in the post-disclosure era, my God, there's going to be hearings going on for, for two years. I mean, every committee in Congress that has any hook to this issue is going to hold a hearing, every subcommittee. And a lot of information that people are going to get, not only our citizens, but also around the world, is going to come from these hearings where hundreds and hundreds of related witnesses to this issue, people related to this issue, are going to be now free to come forward and talk. They're not going to dump everything out right away. But what they'll be able to do post-disclosure is this. Everybody that comes forward will this one of two things. They either tell you the truth or they say, we can't talk about that yet. It's classified. There's going to be no more lying, no more game playing because the public will just eviscerate them. We've got the power. So we're going to be in a much better place and we will start getting information and things will normalize. And I hope ultimately lead to open contact. I believe that starts in September. All right. Steve Bassett, the Paradigm Research Group. We'll chat again. Thank you again. Keep asking questions.